All right, well, I want to welcome uh, everybody joining us at all of our physical locations and those of you online. So glad that you're here. And uh, before we get going today, I've got um, a, something to celebrate and I've got a piece of news to share with you that's really exciting. Uh, but before I do that, I'd like to uh, pray. I'd like to just offer a pastoral prayer uh, over all of us, uh, those of you in uh, one of our auditoriums, those of you maybe in your living rooms right now. Uh, because uh, just obviously we, we've come through just another just challenging, difficult, divisive week that just reminds us of everything that is broken in ourselves and, and in this world. And uh, right now, um, you know, regardless, I know that uh, it, one thing I do know is that uh, maybe all of us see what happened this last week in the Capitol through a certain set of lenses. We have our opinions about it. I've got my opinions about it. And yet I'm not up here to tell you what my opinions are because who really cares? What I do want to do is I want to um, just encourage us to lift our eyes heavenward. There are so many voices chattering in our ears and in our heads and our hearts are conflicted. I know that I've experienced a wide range of emotions this last week. Um, anxiety, fear, anger, isolation, confusion, and I would imagine that you have as well. And uh, I got up really early this morning because I knew I needed to say something, but what do you say? What do you say that, uh, that people need to hear? What do you say so that it won't add to the confusion or the division? So I just got up before the sun came up and I was just praying. God led me to this verse in Exodus. It's one of my favorite verses. We actually have it painted on one of our walls at home. And uh, the context is, the Israelites, they're on the run from the Egyptians and they are fearful, anxious, angry. And they lash out at each other and they lash out at Moses and it's confusing. And, and Moses stands and he speaks these God-ordained words. He just simply says to them, hey, listen, I need you to stand firm right now in the midst of this crisis. And he says this in Exodus 14, 14, the Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. And I think that um, right now, um, could I just implore all of us, regard, this has nothing to do with politics. It has nothing to do with opinions. It has everything to do with where are we looking and what are we listening to? Can I just implore you right now to just figuratively and literally lay your weapons down? Right now for this moment and in this space, we've got all, we've had this entire week in front of us in which there are all kinds of, there's all kinds of confusion and all kinds of things coming our way. Could we lay our weapons down and could we just take a deep breath? I wanna remind us of what, I've, what we've been saying around here for years. And we often forget when we're in seasons like this, God is in control of who is in control. That he is sovereign over kings and kingdoms, even to this day, even if it doesn't match our particular political persuasions and so we recognize that government has its place, but it is not our savior and never has been and never will be. Jesus alone is. He desires that space in our lives. And so uh, could I just pray and lift our eyes heavenward. Father, we come to you right now after another week of just emotion, division, and confusion. And many of us are, are pent up, we're angry, we're fearful, we're stressed, we're confused. We're anxious. And so God, I pray that we could take those words from Moses to the Israelites that apply just as much to us today, that we would stand firm, 
and that we would trust that you would fight for us. We only need to be still. That doesn't mean passive. That doesn't mean that we don't have convictions. It doesn't mean we're not passionate. It means we recognize that the battle is yours alone. You've asked us to be faithful. You've asked us to be compassionate. You've asked us to be on mission. And so God, I pray that you would help us. Like if we miss this moment as your followers, we miss it all. Right now is the moment when we stand firm and we represent you well to a watching world. And so I pray that in the midst of the division, you would unify us. People from both sides of the aisles, people that see things very differently, we'd be unified in the person of Jesus Christ and keep our eyes fixed on you. We ask this in Jesus' name and in unity we say, amen. Hey, thank you for that. Hey, um, if I could switch gears, I got something to uh, celebrate today. Um, our North Campus uh, turns five years old this weekend. So could we give it up for our North Campus? Make some noise for them. I, um, I, I got a text message just during the worship time. There's a picture of North. They said it was a packed house, a pandemic packed. And, uh, and so uh, we just want to say happy birthday to the North Campus. You know, uh, when we uh, went multi-site, the North was the very first campus that we launched. It was a brand new thing for our church. And 300 brave souls said, we'll go. And uh, they went, they did portable setup and tear down in a middle school. And since then we've moved them into a permanent location. That 300 has grown to nearly 2000 that call the North Campus their home. And so love you guys. Over the last five years, you've had like 350 baptisms, all kinds of people into groups, doing so much good in the Carmel community. Bart Shaw, the campus pastor, your whole team, we love you guys, way to go. Can't wait to see what God's gonna do in the next five. Uh, then another piece of information I wanna share with you before we jump in, our West Campus meeting in the Avon area has been going since August, 2017. And they have been in a middle school, portable setup and teardown since then, which leads me to say that they are our grittiest campus, all right? They have been setting up and tearing down since August of 2017, and they've done it with a Christ-like attitude. They've been so joyful, and God's really had his hand on uh, campus pastor David Cup, their whole team out there. And we've been actively searching for a permanent location for them. Uh, we're not fixated on buildings. Buildings are just a tool. And so we've been looking for them. We, we thought we had some land to that we, would gonna, we were going to build a facility for them. But, but over the course of um, the last 12 to 18 months, it kind of seems as if God has been closing some doors on that. One thing that we've learned for sure is that when God seems to close a door, don't try to force it open. We make a big mess of things. And so we've just tried to listen to that, even as disappointed as we were. Uh, David Cup has been a part of all that process. We had a team of people looking. And here's one of the things that we discovered and one of the things why we believe God closed the door. If I could show you a map. This is uh, the current portable location of our West Campus in Avon. These blue uh, circles are where the primary bulks of our people are coming from to that location. So you can, you can see a lot of it is to the south. And so we've been searching for a location maybe sort of centralized to, to this area. And we found a um, former Marsh grocery store in Plainfield. I'm really excited to share with you that we've purchased that facility for our West Campus. And so it is, if we could go to the next slide. This is where that Marsh Campus is. It is uh, in a great location. It's uh, less than a mile from I-70. You got 267 and 40. It's just gonna be a great centralized location. We believe that it's better than the piece of property that we were looking before. So West, hold on, man. All right, thank you for your patience. And uh, the timeline on this is hopefully we'll get you moved in, in sometime in 2022, uh, Lord willing. All right. Well, uh, if you are just now joining us, we are in week number two of this series that we started last week called Atomic Habits. 
habits. If you missed last week, you can jump online sometime later today or tomorrow and get caught up on, on that because um, these messages work like building blocks. They build one upon the other. But uh, if I could just kind of by way of review, say that last week we, we said that small changes made on a, uh, uh, small changes really do make a big difference in our lives. And we don't want to underestimate the cumulative power of small incremental changes made over the course of time. And I think that, that most of us are open to change. Like as we evaluate our lives, especially at the beginning of a brand new year, or like I really want to make some changes in maybe this particular area, whatever that may be for you. But um, statistically speaking, many of us will get to the end of 2021 without necessarily experiencing the change that we wanted to see if we do what we've always done. And so we need to make some sort of an adjustment, some sort of a change. Last week I said that most of us hope that this year is going to be better than last year. We said hope is a great place to start, but it is not an effective strategy. And what I mean by that is when you look at your finances and if they are not where you want it to be, like if you've got way too much debt and you're not saving enough for the future and you're not being generous with what you know you need to be generous with, you can't just look at it and say, well, hope it gets better by the end of the year. No, you, you've got to set something into motion. You got to make some small incremental changes to get you there. If you are looking at your health and your diet and your exercise program, you can't just look at this and say, well, hopefully at the end of 21, I'll be fitter than what I am now. Hope so. Now we got to begin to make some small incremental changes. This is especially true in our spiritual growth. If you are not where you want to be right now, spiritually speaking, that is okay. We've all got uh, room to grow in that area. We are all in process. None of us has arrived. But yet if you want to grow spiritually, you can't just say, well, I hope I grow spiritually. I hope I fall into that. You've got to begin to make some small adjustments in your life to begin to ensure that. And it's really, really hard. Implementing change into our lives is challenging for all kinds of reasons. There are all kinds of things working against us aside from our own brokenness, inconsistencies, and failures. God's word tells us very clearly there is an enemy and he operates like a roaring lion. He's like prowling around looking for somebody to devour. And so you, you make a decision to change. I guarantee there'll be resistance against it. Maybe that even same day. And so last week I kind of gave you this, this graph where many of us get stuck, this results time graph. And I said that oftentimes if we implement a change, what we want to experience is rapid growth, right? Up and to the right. But it most of the time doesn't work that way. So if you make a decision that you want to uh, be more physically fit and healthier. You want to grow in your marriage, your relationships, spiritually grow, your finances, whatever. You make a change. Chances are, before you see the results that you want, there's going to be a dip. And you stay with it over time. And I'm talking like maybe months and months of time. And then you'll turn a corner and you'll begin to experience exponential results. But it's this space right here that derails so many of us. We call it, we call it the valley of despair. This is where a lot of uh, New Year's resolutions go to die. This is where a lot of our well-meaning goals kind of stay. And we get, we, we get frustrated. We say, this isn't working, but we've got to stick with it. And last week we said that these concentric circles here are so important because oftentimes you, you've got goals, you've got action steps to get those goals. And then in the middle is you've got who, like your identity, like who do you want to be? 
And goals are so important, but oftentimes we make goals without giving a lot of thought to this. And so we make goals and they stay out here. And this is an understandable, but a well-meaning mistake. We've got to start here. Before you ever develop goals, you say, okay, who do I want to be? And I want to get even more specific with this. It's not just who you want to be. It is who does God say you are in Christ Jesus? And then you develop this clearly and then you begin to develop the goals and then the action steps or the habits that will get you there. And the reason why is your identity drives your behavior. What goals do is they set direction, but your identity will drive the results that you ultimately want to see. And we're not talking about these big giant leaps. We're talking about these small incremental steps. That's what atomic means. Atomic doesn't mean this huge, big, like explosion. Atomic means incremental, extremely minute or tiny. And that should be good news. It's the idea that I just need to make a small adjustment and I need to stick with it for this reason. Habits are cumulative in their effect and they are more powerful than your will. So when your willpower gives out, the habit is still there. When your motivation wanes, the habit is still there. And this idea of focusing our daily habits is found all throughout God's word. It's such a biblical concept, beginning with Jesus. I told you last week that, that Jesus himself had daily habits. He, he would often retreat to get alone, to be by himself, that he would often go to the synagogue to worship. Uh, the apostle Paul had had daily habits. But we see uh, another example of this in the Old Testament book of Daniel. If you don't know the story, Dan Daniel was a uh, Israelite teenager who gets kidnapped, taken against his will by the Babylonians, which was the most powerful nation at the time. And there Daniel is, this young man, he's in a foreign land and he just begins to live a solid, consistent life. His character shines through, the king notices it. And so he ends up promoting Daniel to have second, second in command in the entire nation. And you look at this story and you're just like, wow, like, like Daniel must have come across a real streak of luck in order to get promoted to that. Had luck had nothing to do with it. It was his character. And when you look closely at Daniel's life, behind his character were these daily atomic habits that show you where his character was found. In fact, we see an example of this, Daniel chapter six, verse 10, right after he had received some bad news that was going to um, affect him, said Dan once Daniel learned that the law had been signed, he went home and he knelt down as usual. In other words, he did this all the time, not just in crisis. In his upstairs room with its windows open toward Jerusalem, he prayed three times a day. Here it is once again, just as he had always done, giving thanks to his God. I read that this last week and I thought to myself, you know, oftentimes there are seasons in my life where I will do what I know I need to do when the pressure's on. Like when I'm in the midst of crisis, when I'm in the midst of the storm, it's sort of like smelling salts that awaken me emotionally and spiritually. And I go, man, I, I haven't been praying as much as I need to. I haven't been reading God's word as much as I need to. I, I better get on my knees and I better seek the strength of the Lord. And then when the crisis is averted when the storm calms down, then I maybe slip back into maybe some of those old patterns of behavior. But the source of Daniel's strength was that he did this regardless of the season of life that he was in. And these daily atomic habits gave him the footing that he needed when life gets turned upside down.
And I think that there's going to be a number of blessings that are going to come from 2020 and 2021. We just can't quite fully see it just yet, but I think we've got to make some decisions now for it to be a blessing. And I said this last week is that right now we have an opportunity. We don't want to miss it. Right now we are developing, you are developing and I'm developing daily habits right now in the midst of this pandemic season that we are in. The question is, is are we developing the right kind of habits? The pandemic will eventually end. The virus, while it may not go away altogether, it, there will be a time when it will be not be as much of a threat. But after it's over, you will still have the habits that you formed right now. The question is, are they the kind of habits that you want to have? Are these habits strengthening your character or are they weakening it? And right now it is not too late to switch course. So here's where I want to go today. Today, I want to get uh, extremely practical. All right. And uh, some of you are going to look at this message and go, man, that is so, so simple. And can I just say, <laughs> you're welcome. All right. We, we need more simple right now. We don't need these big complex things. Our minds are too full. But this is, I really do believe this is going to be super, super helpful for so many of us. And here's the question that I really want to unpack together in the remainder of our time. Last week, I kind of left you with this, like, what are the habits that you want to implement? Who do you want to be? Those, those questions. And maybe you've thought about it a little bit. Maybe you formulated um, some habits that you want to develop. But here's the question. Based on who you want to be, all right, your identity, who, Jesus, who God says you are in Jesus, what are the, this is so important, one to two new habits you'd like to start this year? And I know that there's some of you that are like type A, hard driver, get her done kind of people. Like one to two. <laughs> Give me 25, right? I got, and can I just say, hey, thank you so much like for your productivity. One to two. What, what's the one or two atomic habits that you want to develop and implement and stick to all the way through to the end of this year. Because that's, that's the goal here. How, how, are you, how can you develop these habits that'll, that'll stick? So if you're taking notes, you want to take a picture of the message on the screen, you can do that. I just want to get super, super practical. Here's what you do when you're developing one to two atomic habits. The first thing is you have got to make it clear. You have got to be so clear. You cannot be vague in this. Um, there was a uh, research project done back in uh, 2001 the British uh, researchers took two, about 250 people that uh, said they all wanted to exercise and work out at the beginning of, of the year. They separated them into three groups. The first group, they just said, hey, work out, you know, it's every day, just, just do it. See what the results are in a few months. Second group, they said, work out every day, but add some motivation to your workout, right? Like uh, get some exercise magazines, look at pictures of really fit people, get some headphones and listen to whatever music pumps you up, like get some motivate, add some motivation to it. The third group, they said, hey, just pick a time and a place where you're going to work out. And then they came back and tracked the results a few months later. Out of those three groups, who do you think had the best results? Well, the first two groups, the ones that just worked out and those who added motivation to their workout, about 35 to 38% of them hit their goal. In other words, motivation, while it may get you out of the starting blocks, doesn't carry you through the finish line. The third group, though, astoundingly, 91% of them were still 
exercising and working out months and months later. And, and here's, here was the difference. They specified this. They said, I will exercise each day, on, I will exercise each week on this day at this time in this place. I know, super boring, isn't it? Not really all that motivating. Super clear. And clarity trumps motivation every single time. The two most common triggers for habit formation are time and location. So if, uh, for example, if you say, you know what, I really, really want to read God's word this year. Um, the most effective way in which to implement that habit is to pick a time and a location in which you're going to do it. And here's why. Do you know that we have uh, over 11 million sensory receptors? Well, what is that? Well, that's all of your uh, sight, sound, touch, smell, all these things that really, what they do is they trigger. They trigger a response. And so when you smell some food, it triggers you to want to eat it. Did you know that um, out of those 11 million sensory receptors, nearly 10 million of them are dedicated to vision and sight. And so actually what we see determines a lot about the habits that we develop. Grocery stores know this. Items that are at eye level sell way better than items that are above or below. And so the ones they really want to sell, they'll put it right at eye level. I don't know how many times I go to Costco or I go to Meijer and I come out of there with all the stuff that my wife didn't send me there to buy. <laughs> and it's, it wasn't on my list. It was just what I saw. It's like, oh man, I need that. Didn't need that. Um, maybe my favorite illustration of this is back in 1990, there was an airport in Amsterdam and the men's restrooms were just an absolute mess, right? What can I say? Guys are messy. And they were trying to figure out what to do. They'd done a number of different things. It wasn't working. And so they decided to try a little experiment and they put a sticker of a fly uh, inside of the, the urinals. I don't know if we have a picture of that or not, or if, there we go. Uh, I don't know if any of you have uh, seen uh, this in um, a urinal ever. And you wonder like, what, what is that for? This was part of the experiment back in 19, this is a real thing, by the way. And um, the idea was this would give men something to aim at. <laughs> and it worked, all right? At, at the end of the first year in which they implemented this, they reduced their cleanup costs by 10%. Some of you ladies right now are going, can we buy those for home? Like, can we, can we put a little fly sticker in the toilet at home? Maybe you, maybe you need to try it. You see, we are visual beings. Can I say that small changes in what you see can lead to big changes in what you do. And we see this all throughout God's word. God is a very visual God. I think that's the reason why he gave us 10 million visual sensory receptors. So God gave us a rainbow to get us into the habit of trusting him in the midst of the storm. Jesus gave us communion. Uh, this bread and this wine. He said, hey, this represents my body and my blood. Why, why do we need something tangible? Why do we need something to hold and to look at and to, to taste? Well, G Jesus knows we're visual beings. He says, hey, I want to get you to get into the habit of remembering what I've done for you. And so I've gave you this tangible example to look at. In the Old Testament, we see um, that uh, God really wanted his word, his law to get into people's heads and hearts on a consistent basis. And so they developed what was called these phylacteries. And a phylactery was like this like leather 
box and it contained God's laws and they were to wear them and to keep them visual in front of them. And check out what it says in Deuteronomy chapter six. It says, repeat them, the law of God, again and again to your children. That's a habit. Talk about them when you're at home, when you're on the road, when you're going to bed and when you're getting up and tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. In other words, he knew, like if out of sight, out of mind. And so he's like, hey, put God's word in front of you to where you can see it very clearly. And scripture is just reinforcing what experts in human behavior currently tell us. If you want a habit to stick, you have got to change what you see. You gotta change what you're looking at. And might I add, you gotta change what you're listening to. And so like, if you wanna start eating healthier, like we just know, like you, you, you gotta change what's in the pantry and in the fridge because your willpower and your motivation will only take you so, so far. Uh, several years ago, I gave our entire church a rubber band, every one of you. I'm so gracious, aren't I? And uh, one of the best gifts I've ever given you. And uh, uh, I cracked myself up. All right, so, um, and I said that the rubber band is a visual reminder of what? We were talking about the power of the gospel and the tension between grace and truth. That is a tension and it's the tension where the power is at. And so a rubber band without any tension isn't useful for really anything. And so uh, grace without truth, and truth without grace isn't transformational. Uh, grace without truth, it's not gonna change me. Truth without grace, I can't hear you. And so we just said, we wanna be people of grace and truth because that's where the tension's at. That's where change happens. So I just gave everybody a rubber band, asked you to put it around your wrist. And anytime you were tempted to just be all about grace or tempted to just be all about truth, that you'd grab the rubber band, just snap yourself on the wrist. Just as maybe we need to bring the rubber bands back out again. Just as a visual, tangible, sensory reminder of the habits that we oftentimes forget James Clear, who wrote the book Atomic Habits that this series is inspired by, said this. He said, many people think that they lack motivation. What they really lack is clarity. And so here's the question of application for this first point. How can I make my new habit clear? All right, when you're developing that one to two habits, make it clear and just say, how can I make it as clear as possible? Here's the second step, make it simple. This is so counterintuitive because we oftentimes want to fall into the trap that if something's going to really be transformational, then it must be difficult. Like the harder it is, the probably the better the results. And yet we need to not underestimate how one small change done repeatedly can really transform our lives. And I think here's the reason why. Have you ever noticed that when it comes to habits, that bad habits are so easy to implement, aren't they? Like you don't even have to give any thought to bad habits. It is so unfair, isn't it? It's like I can fall into all kinds of bad habits. Like I am really, really good at overeating. I'm really good at sleeping in too long. I'm really good at just turning on Netflix and just binge watching something. These are just bad habits. I don't have to be intentional about it. I just slip into it. And it's for that reason why the good habits you're trying to implement need to be simple so that you'll actually follow through with it, so that you'll actually do it. Now I'm talking about just getting out of the gates. So Jesus actually says something very, very similar. In Matthew chapter 11, he says this, my, my, my yoke is, is easy to bear and the burden I give you is light. And Jesus could have said, hey, 
the yoke that I give you is difficult and the burden I give you is heavy. He could have said that, but he didn't. He said that it's easy and it's light. Now, what in the world does Jesus mean by that? Is he, does he mean that following him is really, really easy? No, that's not what he means. He says this within the context of religious leaders who are making things difficult and heavy. And he said, no, 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 they've got it wrong. My, my yoke is easy and light. And if it isn't, then you're doing it wrong. And primarily what he meant, he didn't mean that following me is easy. He meant that doing it outside of the power of my spirit is really, really difficult. But you, you see, what you need to do is spend, and I need to do is spend all of our time getting ourselves in alignment with this spirit. If we can do that, then it is easy and light. And so we've got to start with these small atomic habits. Keep in mind, once again, what atomic means. Incremental, extremely minute and tiny. And so if your one to two habits that you want to develop is, let's just say it's, it's engaging in God's word, don't, don't do this. And, and you haven't been in it for a while, don't say, hey, I am going to read the Bible one hour a day. No, you won't. All right, so don't even go there, all right? So how about you just say um, 10 minutes a day, five minutes a day. I, I'm not much of a reader, okay, good. There's apps where the, somebody will actually read the Bible to you in, in whatever accent you want. Mine is British because it sounds so much more sophisticated, all right? Um, if you say, I'm gonna, I'm gonna diet and, and, and exercise and you know what? I'm going to cut out all sugar and all bread and all dairy and all fun. <laughs> Just cut it all out. No, you won't. All right. Why don't you start with a small incremental step? I'm going to work out for three hours a day. No, you won't. All right. How about just 20 minutes of movement? All right. Let's just start there. You see, life change doesn't happen when we do something complicated occasionally. But when we do something Simple, consistently. So here's the application question. How do I make this new habit? Simple. How do I make it clear? How do I make it simple? Here's the last step, so crucial. Make it known. Make your new habit known. Don't just keep it to yourself. Now I'm not talking about um, humble brags. I'm not talking about self-promotion. Hey, everybody look at me and all the new habits that I'm implementing. No, no, no. I'm talking about find one to two people, maybe a small group of people. And you would say, hey, can I share this with you? I want to implement these one to two small little habits into my life. And, and there's going to be some moments when I'm going to get discouraged and want to give up. And in those moments, would you encourage me? Could you hold me accountable in the best sense of that word so that I'll follow through with this? I'll be happy to hold you accountable as well. See, who you surround yourself with is so critical to creating and maintaining these habits that you want to implement into your life. It just makes all the difference. So um, like I've got um, like a little... Uh, app on my watch and there's just a small group of people that whenever they finish a workout uh, my watch vibrates and it tells me what they just did it's so annoying all right <laughs> but at the same time it's motivating I go oh man they've, they've already exercised today I, I need to I need to do it and all it is is just a simple reminder simple accountability simple mutual encouragement to say you know what I need to move today it is the reason why Every seven days, we do this. If you notice, those of you that tune in or attend on a regular basis, like 
We don't alter a whole lot of what we do. Like there's like, we sing three songs and somebody comes up, kind of hypes us up. Somebody gets up here and teaches 30, 35 minutes. Some weeks is good, some weeks not so good. And then we sing another song and we leave about an hour. And like, what's that all about? Why do we do that every week? And it's not because God's in heaven putting stars on your attendance charts. We do it for the same exact reason why we eat a meal every day. Because I get depleted and I need the nutrition. I don't know about you, but at the end of seven days, I'm pretty depleted, especially right now. And I'm running on fumes and I need some hope and I need some help and I need some direction from God and I need to be encouraged and I need to encourage others. See, so much of the time we, we think about church solely out of what can I get out of it? And yet, can I tell you that there are other people who need you? There are other people who need your encouragement, that need your prayers, that need your smile. So we gather together, as Hebrews 10 says, to stir each other up, to encourage one another, to continue on as we develop these daily habits to get filled up. Proverbs 13, 20 says, walk with the wise and become wise. Associate with fools and get into trouble. Do you wanna know how to implement these habits into your life? Find someone or a group of people that have implemented the habits that you wanna implement it and run with them. And I guarantee it's gonna help. So here's the question of application. How do I make this habit known by someone else? So those are the three steps, super, super practical. How do I make it clear? How do I make it simple? How do I make it known? But I wanna conclude with this. Did you know that there's actually certain habits that are not created equal? There are certain habits that actually affect other areas of our life that have nothing to do necessarily with the habit that we've made itself. And what I mean by that is it's called a keystone habit. Let me give you this definition. A keystone habit is a small habit that you introduce into your routine that ends up improving many other areas of your life. It spills out into other areas, a keystone habit. The one, the one to two habits you need to develop this year, one of them needs to be a keystone habit because it'll be exponential in its impact. So let me give you some examples of a keystone habit. One keystone habit is... Um, eating dinner together as a family around the table. If, you, if you're not married, don't have kids, uh, then it's maybe getting together with friends or roommates. And you just get around the table and you eat dinner together. And all the social science says that we are healthier human beings emotionally and spiritually when we do that. If you've got a family at home, uh, kids who are part of a family, they eat together on a nightly basis or as many nights as you can. Statistically, those kids will have better homework skills, higher grades, greater emotional health and more confidence eat together every night. It's a keystone habit. One keystone habit is, is exercise. And, and people who exercise, they sleep better, they eat better, their stress levels generally go down. It's a keystone habit. Affects every area of your life. First Timothy chapter four, verse eight says, physical training is good. Training for godliness is much better. Promising benefits in this life and in the life to come. So I want us to think about habits like training. They are training us for godliness. So what if there was one keystone habit that we could implement beginning at the beginning of this year that it could affect other areas of our lives? 
I was thinking about that this last week, and I thought, you know, every single one of us, me included, right now we are in this season where we really need direction because there's so much confusion and division. And can I just, I know somebody needs to hear this today. Right now there's somebody, and you're sitting there, and you're thinking, I really need to hear from God. I, I need, I don't even know if I fully believe in him, but like if he's there, I need to hear from him. And God, what's the purpose of my life? And God, what's the purpose for this season that we're in? And God, what's going on in this world? And then maybe at a more personal level, maybe you've got some key decisions to make in your life. And you're like, God, I'm really wrestling with this depression that I've been going through. God, when am I going to see the light again? Like, when am I going to emerge from it? God, I, 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 I'm kind of coming to a dead end at work. I don't really know if this is what I should be doing. So God, should I stay in this job or should I go into a different job? I don't really know. What's your will for me? God, should we, should we move here or should we move there? God, should I date them or dump them? Like, I don't really know. God, sh should, should I get a cat or a dog? Don't ask God that. Don't spend any time asking him that. We all know you need to get a dog. That's just, it's, it's in God's word spelled out. I am joking. So do not email me. Just relax, all right? We love cats. We love cat people too. It's just a joke, all right? So here's where I want to leave you with. The keystone habit that will impact every other area of your life is engaging daily in God's word. I didn't think I'd get applause for that. Because that's pretty much, <laughs> this isn't in my notes, so this is a risk. I, uh, whenever uh, we got pregnant with our uh, uh, last daughter, um, our youngest daughter, that's better phrasing. Um, <laughs> I remember when we told our kids that we were pregnant, uh, we told them that we had a surprise. And so we got them in the room and we said, hey, you know, you're gonna have a little sister. And Kennedy, my daughter, she goes, is there anything else to the surprise? Like this, she wasn't that thrilled. <laughs> this is, this reminds me of that. Like I was, I'm kind of building up to this. I'm like, hey, the keystone habit, right? Buckle up, take notes, is daily engaging in God's word. And you're sitting there going. Is there anything more to that? Like, really, Aaron? Like, you spent all week on this. Um, <laughs> notice I said engaging, not reading. Engaging. There is a difference. Listen, I'm all about Bible daily reading plans. I, I've actually done the, the Bible in one year. Here's the challenge that I found is I found myself getting behind a few days and I was trying to get through it. And I think I missed the voice of God on days I needed, really needed to hear engaging in God's word. Now, those of you who, I mean, this is about as exciting as me saying, hey, this will totally change your health. Eat your Brussels sprouts. And you're like, oh, that is not exciting at all. And I know some of you probably feel a little bit that way. And maybe you've heard messages on this. You've had people tell you you need to do it. And you've, maybe you've even tried it. And you didn't think it changed anything. I wanna uh, 
show you that there was a, there's been a couple of studies done on this. It's really amazing. Um, there was a study called a Reveal study done several years ago. They took 400,000 people in all 50 states and they tracked them over a period of years and they wanted to know what is the one thing that you did that, was, uh, that propelled you in your spiritual growth. And they looked at everything. They looked at church attendance, they looked at uh, serving other people. They looked at mission trip, all the stuff that you would think would grow you spiritually. The number one thing, it was two times more catalytic than anything else, was those who daily engaged in God's word. The Center for Bible Engagement did a similar study. They found those who engaged in the Bible at least four times a week, listen to this, they were 30% less lonely, 32% less destructive thoughts, 228% more likely to share their faith, 62% less alcohol abuse, 59% less porn use, 45% less gambling. It is the keystone habit that affects other areas of your life. Now, there is oftentimes a gap between people's interest in reading the Bible and then actually doing it. What I mean is that I would say, that probably the vast majority of those listening to this would say, man, that sounds good. Like I want to read God's word more consistently, but those of us who will actually do it far fewer. And I've learned from personal observation and experience this right here. I think this is the reason why we don't. The two biggest barriers to Bible engagement is the Bible is too big and I don't know where to start. Would that be true for you? Man, it's just so complicated. I don't know what I'm reading. It just seems so confusing. Like Aaron, I tried to start reading and I, I, I started reading this book called Lamentations. <laughs> Could I say that might be part of the problem? Don't get me wrong. Lamentations is equally the inspired word of God. Maybe not the best place to start. Maybe the best place to start is Proverbs. Just wisdom literature. It's like your own personal coach, 31 of them. You can read a new one a day during the whole month. Start in the Gospel of John. Start in the Psalms. Start small. Listen, you're not just reading it to get through it. I would say, even if you just limit it to say, let me just read 10 verses and here's what you change. Before you read, you say, God, I need to hear from you today. Would you please speak? Would you give me some direction for my life? And then you just read maybe 10 simple verses and then set it down and be quiet. And in the still small voice, see if God might provide some direction for your life. Some of you are like, well, Aaron, I just, I just don't read. I, I start to read and my mind wanders. This is the great thing about technology. You can download an app and it will actually read it for you. When you're in the car, wherever you might, you go for a walk and just have it, read it for you and say, God, please speak. I need to hear from you in my life right, right now. And so let me just give you three really practical handles here if you're struggling. First of all, maybe go to tbcc.org dbr, our daily Bible reading, sign up. We will email you a passage you can read every day. That's just maybe one small little step that you can make. Here's another one. Uh, I've actually talked about this book before, Core 52, and it is a 15-minute daily guide to build your Bible IQ in a year. Uh, this is written by a friend of mine. It is excellent. 
And I know a number of you have it. You can go on Amazon and get it. This will actually help you just get familiar with what you're reading in God's word. And one more that I'll give you is just the YouVersion Bible app. You can find this, download it where uh, you get your apps and it, it, it'll read it to you. There's all kinds of Bible reading plans. You got every translation that's on there. It's like right there in front of you. Here's what I might recommend. Uh, clear all the apps off your home screen. Just put this there. At least for a month and see. Um, because uh, here's what I'm wondering. Many of us, when we've got a little extra time, we click on maybe the Facebook or the social media app and we scroll when we should be engaging. And man, if you're, if you're reading or listening to all of the stuff, all the talking heads on social media and not spending enough time hearing from God and you're not experiencing peace, you're, you're filled with anxiety, you're filled with rage. Now, maybe you know why. Because he is the Prince of Peace. And if you're all bent up out of shape about what's going on in the world and all the fear, could, could you, I, like I'm, not, I'm not saying that you'd need to delete social media for good, but maybe you need to take a break. You just need to silence it and say, okay, everybody shut up but Jesus. Everybody be quiet. I don't care about your opinion. I don't care about what you heard. I don't care about what your uncle who said this, who works for this organization over here. God, I desperately need to hear from you because I'm all twisted up and I'm anxious and I'm fearful and I'm angry and relationships have ended and I need to hear from you. That's what I'm talking about. God said, we say, God, I need to hear from you. And God's like, I've spoken. It is like right there in your hands, like, all you need to do is listen. You need to clear the deck and listen because he is speaking. He is speaking. Psalm 119, one of my favorite passages says this in verse 105. Your word, talking about God's word, the Bible, is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. That is the purpose of God's word. God's word is not a history book. It's not a science book. God's word is not an equation. Like you do this and this and you'll equal this. I've heard all the cute little acronyms. Bible, B-I-B-L-E, basic instructions before leaving earth. It's cute. Not accurate. At least not what that says. What does it say? It's a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. Light comes to us in different forms. The psalmist chooses to use this descriptive word of, of lamp. It's like a lantern you go hiking with. If you've ever been hiking in the middle of the night, the lantern helps you, but the lantern only illuminates the steps right in front of you. Not the path all the way to the end. Now, I don't know about you, that frustrates me sometimes because what I want is I want God's word to act like a spotlight. That God just show me the whole path, bring up the house lights, God, so that I can see clearly everywhere. And God goes, no, 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 no. Just a lamp. That's what you need. And so right now in the midst of all this darkness, God's word is the lamp. The question is, are you, are you using it? And he says, it's a lamp. It gives you just enough light to take the next step 
that you need right in front of you. So can I encourage you, maybe here's the challenge right now for maybe the next week. Can we just get off social media? And some of you are like, no, I can't do it. I got to do it for my job. Okay, I get it. But spend more time consulting the lamp of God's word than the darkness of social media and see what it might do to your overall disposition. Stick with it. Some of us, we give up far too soon. Some of you right now, you're like, oh, Aaron, and I tried to read God's word. I, I read every day for two weeks and my wife still won't listen to me. Bro, that's not how it works. I've read every single day and my problems are still there. Yeah, he didn't say he'd take your problems away. He said he would illuminate the next step that you need to take. It is the keystone habit, the thing that affects every other thing. And it's right there in front of us. The question is, are we using it and are we listening? Father, we come to you right now and we're hurting and we're afraid and we're stressed. And so because of that, we have a tendency to make the mess that we are in messier. And so we lash out and we demonize other people that have a different opinion than what we have. And we just live in the echo chamber rather than being people who grow in empathy and compassion, rather than being people who demonstrate the fruits of the spirit found in Galatians, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Sadly, God, that's not describing very many of us right now. And so God, would you give us the courage and the strength to just shut down all the voices so that we can listen clearly to yours. In Jesus' name.